Thanks for listening to Bezier. Bezier is sponsored by Superhigh, online courses for code, design, and product management. Superhigh's courses can be done in your own home at your own pace. I've been a Superhigh student since 2017 and have gone from being a designer feeling alienated by the should designers code discourse to building my own sites and now even selling web design services. My favorite part of Superhigh is the community of learners. As a Superhigh student, you're added to this huge community of all the other Superhigh students. It's filled with inspiring people from all over the world in all different places in their careers. I've gotten work there, I found podcast guests there, and even made in-person friends, all because of Superhigh. It's easy to get started. There's an online code editor. You can do it on your own schedule. There's built-in community of learners. It's got everything you need. Start learning to code, design, or product manage today at superhigh.com. I like to have guests introduce themselves. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Bettina. I tell people it's like Betty and Tina put together. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a Taiwanese-American product designer living in Queens right now. By day, I design at Squarespace. And the rest of my life, I think it's less about what I do, but the mentality I approach it in. I always like to maintain this aura of learning and curiosity. And so I, I jump between things a lot. There's a period where I tried learning how to sing. I currently am learning ice skating. I, I draw a lot. And otherwise, I just like fun educational things. Last week, I actually went to the Baltimore National Aquarium to just learn about fish. I can tell you my hypothesis on the difference between angelfish and tangs. And uh, otherwise, I also really like watching YouTube videos and yeah, just enjoying life day by day. I have to know the difference between angelfish and tangs. Yeah. Okay. So my hypothesis is angelfish and tangs. So tangs, if you are familiar, that's your dory and your bubbles from Finding Nemo. And although tangs I saw, the vertical distance between the nose and the eyes, if you just imagine like the y-axis, the vertical distance between the eyes and a nose is much larger in tangs versus angelfish. So that's my hypothesis. Now, some people say it's like the shape of their body, but really like the shapes are, are really similar. Uh, but I think it's, and some people say it's how pointy the snout is, but some angelfish have pointy snouts, some have rounder. So I really think it's, it's that vertical distance. I'm absolutely going to go on a Google image search rabbit hole after this and, uh, I'm sure you're right. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. Before we get into what you're up to now, maybe you can give us a little background on your like career path to today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm fortunate that my career path has been pretty straightforward. Throughout high school, I always enjoyed drawing. At first, I considered art school, but I thought, no, I don't really want to create work for myself. I like the idea of creating for others. And at the time, that's what design seemed like it was to me. So I went to Carnegie Mellon to uh, learn design and Carnegie Mellon being a very tech heavy school ended up pushing me towards more tech and UX and product and did a lot of product internships. And so now I'm a product designer. That's kind of cool because a lot of people try to end up being a product designer midway through their career, but this is where I started. And so who knows where I might go next. 
You mentioned drawing twice now. I'm curious what kind of tools you use to do that. Are you very analog paper pencil or are you using an iPad or a Wacom tablet or something else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started off very analog. I used to take weekly art classes. So that's in mediums like graphite, colored pencil, watercolor, acrylic, oil pastels. And uh, in college, I even did charcoal figure drawing. It's like a, a lo very lovely experience. But more recently, it, I use an iPad. I use Procreate because it's just nicer to experiment with colors. I really miss charcoal figure drawing as well. That's my favorite yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a full body experience. Well, it's not always, but if you get that huge 18 by 24 newsprint mm -hmm. and you put it on an easel and... I love it because, again, I'm like using my hands, but there's so many circular emotions in your body, right? There's like the circular motion of your finger and then your wrist, your elbow, and then your whole arm. And I just love using the range of that. So Squarespace, what's your team like? What's your day-to-day -day like? It, anything that you're interested in sharing? There's no pressure to share anything that's not released yet, but what are you working on? I, for the first two years of my time at Squarespace, I was in the commerce pillar. So if people have seen Squarespace's recent advertisements, they're really trying to position themselves as a website for selling things. And so the commerce pillar is geared towards all the tools for sellers. So that's like managing your taxes, your inventory, payments, et cetera. And then about a year and a half ago, I transferred to the presence platform so that is the entire website editing experience and so i'm like working on an experience right now which i think is more aligned with where i would like to grow as a designer so that's like the team i'm on it's actually hack week right now so that's really cool i didn't have to i didn't have to move any meetings around my entire week is free this week yeah and i'm actually cleaning up the visual system of some parts of our editor. It's been bothering me for a long time. And so I just thought like someone has to do it. And then as for uh, my day-to-day, -day, so I, I thought about this and I, I think it's less about my day-to-day, -day, but more of my week-to-week. -week. Mm. Uh, I think that that's where the pattern happens with working in a product company. Because every week you tend to have like your stand-ups, your team reviews and your one-on-ones with your cross-functional partners. Certain days will be more meeting heavy for alignment or decision-making and other days are more heads down to do the designs and all the other material. You mentioned commerce and presence as like different organizations. Is product design sort of, are you on like commerce product design and then you've moved over to product design and presence or is it one product design org across the whole company? that specializes in different areas? I think it's more structured like the first one where I think pillars is a good way to put it. So you have your commerce pillar and there's like your director, your product design director, your engineering director, et cetera. And then underneath there are specific product teams with designers embedded in each one. And they tend to do their own thing compared to the presence product designers, but then there are still company-wide horizontals. Like we have we meetings with the entire product design team across all pillars sometimes. Oh, that's really nice. Mm -hmm. So what's the makeup of your team look like now and how many people are on it? Yeah, Liz is actually on uh, Presence with me. Presence, we, we currently split up into like 
it's always trees, you know, it's like you split up into a couple of groups and then like a couple teams within each group. So my group has, let me see, me, three or four other product designers. So still quite cozy and tiny. And so it's like easier for alignment. And then on the other side, there's, I think also three or four. Maybe I'm under-accounting. <laughs> yeah, it's not that much. Small. Yeah, it's small. And and you mentioned Liz, just for the audience, Liz Wells is a coworker and referred Bettina to be on the show. And that episode will be linked in the show notes as well. If you haven't caught Liz's episode, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your process look like? You mentioned like the week to week, which I really think is a great way to talk about your work. But how does a project start? And where, when do you get involved? And how long are those work cycles? Mm, yeah, let's see. This one, I can, I can go on about. So I'll have like s- several different responses because the, I think the common response you hear is, oh, it, it depends. But, but sure. I, I think I have an idea on how to categorize it. Sometimes projects get assigned to us for various reasons, such as there is a huge design debt or perhaps there's just a very specific feature that high profile customers are asking for, or maybe something was driven internally for some marketing moment that that's happened before. Like last year, Squarespace launched additional effects for our site header and crop shapes for images. Those were driven internally. It was just like an idea that's like, we're going to do this. And so at that point, a designer and the product team are brought in to just execute. And that's more of figuring out the flow, the visual design and the features for that first release. And in the context of our website editor, it would be like, can you add border or outline or shadows to it? Or is that like too out of scope or too hard? That's one way projects happen and we're brought into it. And the process there is a lot more uh, just diving into delivery. Recently, Squarespace has uh, been championing this concept of the empowered model. Yeah, the, the naming isn't super important, but I think the, the word empowered implies that we as individual teams are empowered to come up with project ideas. And so uh, we would be given a more high level objective from product leadership, like an easy one would be like increase uh, usability. So increase the number of published sites. So that's like very untied to a specific feature. And then the team will can spend some time in discovery to research and think of ideas and like features that would drive that overall objective. What advice would you give to somebody that wants to get into product design? Mm. Oh, yes. Wait, I'm really excited about this one. So uh, I, I have, because I, I have reviewed a lot of portfolios, both for people in the community and also for underclassmen. And one advice that I always give is how you talk about and think about the process. So everybody knows about like research, user personas, wireframing, testing, right? Like those are just very established parts of the design process. And when I hear people talk about their work, uh, people who are earlier on in their career, they seem to think about the process in a very cookie cutter way. 
for example, in their portfolio, they'll just be like, step one, here is my research. Step two, I made personas and so on. But I really encourage these people to emphasize why did you choose that process? Because you don't always have to start with research. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes in the workplace, you are assigned a feature to implement and maybe that feature relates to a lot of patterns that are already validated. So you don't need to do additional research. Uh, maybe the research comes later on when, for instance, you realize you have to break a certain pattern and then you're researching that specific pattern change. I think that's amazing advice because as you're saying that, I'm thinking of, you know, when I've worked with engineering orgs, their processes, not unlike designer, are very iterative. And it's like launch day is at least what I've heard in, in some product management circles is like launch day is the beginning of the process. There's all the work that goes into it and then you launch and then you start getting feedback from your customers and you start seeing metrics adjust and then you do some more user research. So I think that's like a really good point of like, why'd you pick that process? Because there are so many. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and to your point about launch itself is another part of the process. Like iteration is really important. And seeing something live in production is the first time users can really feel that experience to, the, to its fullest. You know, we can create very complex Figma prototypes, but it's never going to have that live feedback. And at the point that you have an engineer prototype out a experience that is like what it's like in production, they might as well have just pushed that code live. What's something that you wish more senior product designers could hear? I think for, for someone like me who is more mid-level, I would love to see more senior designers share their craft to the rest of the team. So whether their superpower is storytelling or visual design or stakeholder alignment, I would love to see more of those people really guide the culture of the team and, and say, this is my opinion on what it takes to be a good designer and like demonstrate it, whether it's in work shares or doing a presentation and, and giving an open invite for office hours or something, but just really championing the culture of the team. Our design community, the product design community, the design community as a whole, there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of great people, but on the flip side, there's a large amount of, of bigotry. There's transphobia and the patriarchy and racism and xenophobia, and the list goes on, unfortunately. How do we fight that and what should we do about it? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tricky question. So, cause on one hand, I have been fortunate to mostly be in environments, uh, with people who care about, uh, equality and fairness and so, and have made me feel important and in included. But when I do face experiences that feel like microaggression or, or bigotry, it's hard for me. Like, I don't know if it's, if it's a uh, systemic, um, not system. I don't know if it's a intergenerational trauma thing imposed on uh, East Asian women, but I tend to doubt myself when I sense microaggression. Like I, I'm, I tend to think like, oh wait, was it actually bad or, or am I overthinking it? And so it's hard for me to speak up because I'm not even confident that this is something that is fair for me to speak up in. And so. I don't think the onus should be on those who uh, are put in lesser situations, 
But unfortunately, that that is my response for now is I personally uh, want to spend more time evaluating the fairness of my values so that I can more confidently and decisively respond to things that I deem incorrect. Who is somebody that our audience should know about? Ooh, okay. There's two people that come to mind. Earlier, I mentioned I really like watching fun educational YouTube videos. A particular YouTuber that I love, and oh man, if he hears this, I, I, it would be so cool if he like responded. Uh, he's called CGP Gray. Uh, I have watched him since high school, and I really appreciate how he talks about lesser known but really deeply researched socio-philosophical topics. Yeah, because like we hear a lot of things about critical race theory and uh, and sexism and politics, but he talks about things like optimal airplane boarding methods that like are better mathematically and why airplanes don't use it. Or he, he has this one video on why hexagons are the best shape. So he's just super interesting. I love him. The second guy is Randy Pausch. He was a professor from my alma mater and he wrote this book called The Last Lecture. So the last lecture is a series that the university spun up for professors who have left the university to give like their last lecture, like their parting words to the community. Uh, unfortunately for Randy Pausch, this was his literal last lecture because he died of pancreatic cancer. Oh, yeah. that's awful. Mm. And so uh, his lecture is called Chasing Your Childhood Dreams, I believe. And it's just so gorgeous. He talks through all the dreams he had as a kid, like being a Disney Imagineer, uh, going into space. And he walks through the, the, the people he met, um, the steps he took, and the attitude he carried, all those things that helped him achieve all those goals. And there's just this one moment where uh, he's like detailing the fact that he has this terminal illness, and yet he is still able to enjoy his day-to-day -day, like living in the moment with his family and loved ones and that's just so inspiring especially during the pandemic you know i think if this guy who had a terminal illness can still live life to the fullest then me someone who's healthy uh but just unfortunately quarantine can also maintain a good attitude i am so excited to watch both of these i'm gonna put them in the show notes as well so people can click on them mm -hmm. yeah uh, what about reading? What book should everybody read? Oh, books. So, oh, fortunately, the last lecture is published as a book. Oh, and so, fantastic. If, yeah, it's both, uh, it's both a videotaped one hour lecture and also a book. So depending on your preference, you can do that. I recently bought this book from Printed Matter. It's this small art book publication. And I think the title is called Transcendental Waves. And it talks about hearing as our sense, because most people tend to rely on our sight. It's, it's actually really fun, really funny that we rely on our sight so much. When we think about amazing experiences, we're just like, oh my God, it's so cool. Let me show you a picture. We really emphasize what it's like to see an experience as opposed to the other senses. Yeah. And so this book is just little vignettes of helping you think about leaning into your hearing and how you uh, experience the world that way. 
Are there ways that the audience can support you? Do you mean like um, uh, emotionally or? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, but now that you say it, then yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, emotionally, uh, I would would love uh, just people to say hi. And if something I recommended resonates with them, that would just really warm my heart. And how would you like people to say hi? Where do you like to be found on the internet? Mm, I think Twitter would be the most comfortable area. I unfortunately am not very, very poppin' on Twitter. I I, I do post things, but at most I get one like. <laughs> so Let's I, give Patina you... some more likes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Twitter would be the most comfortable. Uh, my Instagram is private uh, for privacy reasons. And uh, I haven't updated my portfolio in so long because like many designers in the industry the the plague of the designer portfolio is yeah is very consistent i think everybody's in the same boat it's hard it's hard to keep on top of that but i'll put your twitter in the show notes and people can like your tweets and we sounds can, good we can give yeah. you some more likes yeah i'll follow you from multiple twitter accounts so oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i tend to retweet and post uh, anime drawings. I guess I never shared that about myself, but anime is what got me into art. Oh, um, cool. It's it's a pretty niche interest that so I don't always share it. I like getting more popular now, but post I'll post anime, dogs, and uh, weird internet humor. So then I realized when you said, uh, how can people support you? You meant financially. And um, I fortunately am very frugal with my product design salary but if people do feel inclined to share a bit of their own salary i did look up a couple of environmental funds that people could either donate to themselves or they could venmo me um we could put my venmo in the show notes because squarespace uh doubles what i donate that i would love you to share that that would be amazing cool yeah so there's one called sunrise movement this one encompasses like environment, but also culture and social. Their goal is to rematriate the land and allow for cultural revitalization. And then there's another one that is uh, New York based. It's called Sustainability Resource for New Yorkers. Fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? One of your questions was on uh, advice for, for junior designers, and that was something that I was excited to share about because um, I'm only, it's only been four years since I graduated. So what that transition from college to adulthood is like is still very fresh to me. Just sharing more about what I learned from my personal experience. The thing that I really struggled with when I first graduated was what do I do with my life? Uh, especially, especially as someone who came from a very rigorous study school and uh, always aimed for straight A's in high school. My daily drive prior to like 22 was always, I'm doing this so that blank. You know, I'm taking AP classes so that I can have a good resume for college. I'm doing these projects so that I'll have a good portfolio for internships. And so like, it was like 22, I landed my job at Squarespace. I was super excited for it. Now, I moved to New York near my parents. I'm living with my boyfriend and I'm just like, what next? Mm -hmm. And I definitely went through a period of how do I spend my time? And it was definitely a bit of an adjustment. 
So I just like to share that experience in case anybody else is going through that and just say that, you know, finally life has opened up more and we can really take our time. We don't have to feel like we need to finish something within the next semester so that it's in time for interview season. I, I hope to say this in a, in a hopeful way, not a, a like a scary way, but I, I don't think that ever goes away. Mm -hmm. Like I'm in my 30s and the what am I doing with my life? What next is it comes back. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that's something you kind of are always sparring with. But again, hopefully that's not scary for people, but more comforting. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I think I think the the takeaway maybe is a balance of what we talked about of both. It's okay. Everybody goes through it. Um, yep. And also, it's okay to chill. <laughs> Bezier is a design interview podcast amplifying voices in our creative communities that don't already have large platforms and aren't working at big five tech companies. We focus on finding guests from all over the world and representative of as many of us as possible. If you have a great guest idea for Bezier, please email us at inquiry at zoct.studio. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at Z-A-C-H-T dot studio.